0: All right, good morning, happy new year. You don't have to say it back, it's okay. Um, My name is Stone, I'm the youth pastor here at Revival. Um, The joke kind of is, you know, the Sunday after Christmas is always like youth pastor Sunday to give the real pastor a break, so I got you, Alex, don't worry, but... (laughs) um, But yeah, I'm excited to be here. I think God is already moving this morning, and I am honored to um, preach his word today. So I'm excited. Um, How many of you have set New Year's resolutions this year? No one. A few people. All right. I don't like New Year's resolutions anyway, so I'm glad. Um, But I think even if this isn't a New Year's resolution of yours, I think maybe something that is really common people want to do, especially around the New Year time, is get more healthy, right? We always want to start working out more, or eating better, or doing all these different things, and we care so much about physically being healthier, especially in America. In 2023, 53% of Americans said that they want to exercise more in the new year, 50% said they want to eat healthier, and 40% said they want to lose weight. And those three resolutions have been in like the top five most popular resolutions since like, before I was born, which I'm only 21, so for some of you that's not a very long time. For me, that's my entire life. So it's a big deal, right? In America especially, but I think all around the world, we want to be healthier, we want to be more active, And I think we have this fixation on our physical health, our physical appearance, uh, being active, eating good physically. But I think a lot of the time we neglect being spiritually active, we neglect being spiritually healthy. So I want to challenge us today, this morning, and for the whole year of 2023, to be more spiritual active, spiritually active. I think we have become complacent, especially in the Western church, Um, So my challenge to us, to myself, to you, to the church, is to become more spiritually active, have an active faith in 2023. And by the way, that's not just a New Year's decision, that's not a January 1st decision, that's an every single day decision. I think um, we set resolutions, or like in my family, right, every day, just about every day, we eat something we probably shouldn't eat, and we feel disgusting, and we say, tomorrow, we're going to start eating healthy. Or Monday, we're going to start. It's going to happen. Or January 1st, we're going to start. No. Following Jesus is an every single day decision. You make that decision when you decide to repent and be baptized and confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then every single day after that, we have to continue making that decision. Every single choice we make, we have to continue making that decision. I think a big mistake that so many Christians today make is viewing our first step of repentance and baptism as the end of our journey. You think, okay, we get baptized, we're good, we're set, we're good to go. I know that's true for a lot of things. When I started dating my girlfriend Emily, we, um, she mentioned something about how it would be cool to know how to ride a skateboard. I own a skateboard, never ridden it in my entire life, but I thought like four wheels, you don't even need that great a balance, right? So I figured I'll teach you. I can teach you how to ride a skateboard if you think it's cool, if that's gonna make you like me more. So that's, you know, 20 year old, boy, that's how we think. So I have the skateboard, we go to like some park. I'm like, yeah, I'll teach you how to skateboard. Never have even gotten on it in my life. I just, I don't even know how I got it. But I have the skateboard, we go to the park um, and it becomes quickly apparent for context, I don't know how to ride a bike even, okay? I've never successfully ridden a bike in my life. I just didn't have a bike growing up. So I can't even ride a bike. So I get on the skateboard and fall multiple times and embarrass myself. And she's like, okay, obviously, you do not know how to ride a skateboard, and I'm not gonna learn because you can't teach me. So that was a fail. But we think, like, just because we have the materials, or I know another good example is like a gym membership, We get a gym membership, that doesn't automatically make you healthy, right? That doesn't automatically make you fit. You're not jacked once you buy your gym membership. You have to go to the gym and start working out, put in the work to get there. And it's the same with our faith. We can't get baptized and say, all right, I'm good. I don't have to do anything else. I'm set. I believe I'm saved. And then just keep on living the same way we're living. Baptism is the first step in our faith, not the last step. We have to continue having an active faith, continue pursuing Jesus every single day after baptism. We can't become complacent. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through, we'll see where I stop. Starting in verse 11. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing your faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who are once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. I think in the church today, so many of us are stuck in this spiritual infancy. We're stuck. We get baptized and we don't do anything after that. Or maybe you haven't been baptized and you're not sure if you want to. Wherever you're at, I think a lot of us are hesitant to take the next step, either because we don't know what it is or because we're comfortable where we're at and we don't want to keep going. Whatever it is, so many of us are spiritually immature. And the writer of Hebrews is saying we cannot be stuck in that place. We have to keep moving forward. In 2000, 45% of Americans, according to this survey I looked at, were practicing Christians. Who can guess in 2020 what that number is? In 2000, it was 45%. In 2020, what do you think? Yell it out, someone. All right, you're close. 25% in 2020 are practicing Christians. 25% of Americans. And that's obviously not good, right? Obviously, um, we have work to do there. But what shocked me even more when I looked at that survey and what I think we need to be paying more attention to, and I think the reason that that number is so low is because the definition they have for a practicing Christian, to be considered a practicing Christian in this survey, you just had to have gone to church within a month of your time of taking the survey. One time of going to church within a month of the survey and you're considered a practicing Christian. right? And that's great, we should be going to church, and if it's once a month, if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. But I don't think Jesus was sent to die on the cross so that we can come to church once a month and be considered a practicing Christian on a survey and, and feel good about ourselves and continue living in our sin. Right? I think Jesus came and died on the cross so that we can live an entirely new life separated from that. Right? Coming to church once a month or sitting in Maybe reading a Bible plan even, or praying when you need something from God. Those things, we should be praying, we should be reading our Bibles, we should be coming into church, but there's things so much greater, so far beyond that, that God is calling us to, an entire new life that's waiting for us, but so many of us are stuck in the spiritual infancy because we don't want to keep moving forward. So why? Why is it important? to keep moving forward. Why can we not just sit in this comfortable spot that we have? James chapter 2 verses 14 through 26 Say, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete, and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she held those messengers and sent them safely away a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Faith is dead without good works. And there's this debate Some people say we're saved by faith. Some people say we're saved by works. We believe that we are saved by faith. That is, you're saved by faith. You confess Jesus is Lord and you're saved. But I think the part that we miss, here I'll read, go to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So that is true. We are saved by faith. But I think the part that a lot of us miss is that if your faith is genuine, if you have true faith, if you're truly pursuing Jesus, you're going to have good works. Good works are going to be a product of that. You're going to remove yourself from sin. You're going to start being obedient to the Holy Spirit. You're going to start producing good works. So I think so many of us wonder why we're stuck in this complacency, in in a dead faith. I think we need to ask ourselves, is our faith genuine? Do we truly have faith? Are we truly pursuing Jesus? Because if you are, you should have good deeds, good works to show that. We'll flip to James We are all over the place. You'll be flipping a lot today. James 1, 22 through 27. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress, right? So that would be an example of good works. And refusing to let the world corrupt you. Removing yourself from sin. We do these things, reading our Bible, coming to church, praying. All great things. We should all be doing those things. But we just check it off our list. When we do those things, are we pursuing Christ or are we just doing it to feel good about ourselves are we just doing it so we can check it off our list what's your heart like in those situations are you pursuing Christ are you walking away changed we do those things and then we walk away completely unchanged I know even myself as a pastor there are times we're sitting here in church I listen to a sermon and then right when church is over I forget it and my life isn't changed a lot of us are in that spot. But we're called to an act of faith. We're called to be changed by these things. I think a perfect example is communion. Right? We have our cup with our juice and our bread, and communion is such a powerful moment where we get to sit and, and commune and engage with our Lord and remember by the bread, his body that was broken for us and by the juice, his blood that was spilled for us. And that that moment alone, I think, is enough for a lot of people to start following Christ, to sit in that moment and reflect on the sacrifice that he made. But when we're coming to church for a long time and we start just going through a routine and we start just wanting to check things off of our box, and we come to church and we sit and we take our communion and we're thinking about where we're going to go to lunch afterwards and all these things, we're not being changed. We need to start taking our faith more seriously. We can't just sit, go through the motions, check things off our box so that we feel good about ourselves and pretend like we're so close to God, right? We need to start being more obedient to the Holy Spirit. We need to start truly pursuing Him, running after Him, being active in our faith. We can't just go through the motions. We can't just check everything off our box and call it good. Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 26 through 29. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy, as it were, common and unholy, and have insulted this, and disdained the Holy Spirit, who brings God's mercy to us. And we'll flip right away to second Peter, 19 through22. "For you are a slave to whatever controls you, and when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, They are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. How many of us are dogs that have returned to our vomit? How many of us are the washed pigs that have returned to the mud? At my house, they call me spilly, because I spill a lot, um, like a significant amount. It's really embarrassing, actually. Um, in fact, I, last week, when we were setting up for Christmas Eve services, I spilled an entire one of those tables. Um, and like it was bad. Um, and this morning, I like dropped some coffee and stuff. But it's fine. But I spill a lot. And it's like really bad, especially with food. Um, does anyone, maybe if you have, like, kids, you can relate um, to your kids spilling a lot. I'm 21. Uh, I turn 22 in, like, a week, and I probably spill more than your kids. But it's it's bad, um, especially with food. So, you know, something like ketchup, I have to wear, like, shirts that are dark-colored when I eat spaghetti. Like, that's that's the situation. So, like, Today, I wore a white T-shirt. And listen, I steamed this shirt, and i it's so pristine. Um, I got it perfect. Um, but the danger, you know, you eat, like, french fries or a burger or a hot dog or something, you put ketchup on it. I have such a tendency to spill. And <laughs> it's, it's a problem. So, like, if I'm, I don't know, like, putting ketchup on my hot dog or something, and I'm like, whoa whoops, like, you get ketchup all over it, and now it's stained and disgusting, and like, like, now I'm gonna have to throw this shirt away, because I spilled, but it's okay, it was like, it, it's one of those shirts that, like, come in, like, a, a pack at Walmart for, like, 10 bucks, so it's okay, but we, we get, oh, and now it's spilling, um, <laughs> see, I point proven, so, This is where so many of us are at though, right? We spill. We return to our vomit. We are the washed pig that returns to the mud. Maybe you're the white shirt that stone spills on. But this is where it thinks. This is where so many of us are. Well, I'll clean that up better later. Uh, (laughs) But this is where so many of us are. We We continue, even after we've been washed clean by the blood of Christ, after we've been given these pure white garments, we go right back to our sin, we go right back to our old ways, and we continue to to keep living in sin. This is not what God is calling us to. God is calling us to live a pure, clean life. And we keep running back to our old ways that put these stains on us. We don't need to live with the stains anymore. God is inviting us to come to him and accept him and he will wash us clean. He will remove all of the stains, but we keep rejecting him. We keep moving away from him because we wanna live our own way. We wanna keep living our life the way we wanna live it instead of being obedient to the Holy Spirit, instead of living the way God is calling us to live, instead of having an active faith and we keep putting stains on ourselves. We keep running back to the vomit. We keep running back to the mud. That's where so many of us are. We've been washed clean and we keep getting ourselves dirty again. And I think this morning God is calling us to repent and start living a life of active faith, removed from sin, removed from the stains. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15, says, Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief Blessed are all who are watching for me who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. We need to be ready for when Christ returns. And even if he doesn't return during our lifetime, what's going to happen when we die? What do our garments look like? Are they pure? Are they clean? Are they clean? Or have we gone back and stained them? Because every single time we sin, every single time we get disobedient, it's like pouring more ketchup on the shirt and it'll get all over the floor and I'll get yelled at later and it'll be a problem. But we keep sinning, we keep putting these stains on ourselves. Right, you give in to whatever it is, your addiction, new stain, every single time you give in. Whatever it is, Whatever sin you're struggling with, whatever area of your life you're struggling to give back to God, what is that stain? And how are you going to remove it? 1 Peter chapter 4. Actually, I take it back. 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll get to chapter 4 later. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Say, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Flip right over to chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now, uh, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Write down verses 8 and 9. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. We are not called to be like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Go down to verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live uh, properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. That's just like within two pages. And I just listed like four times that they told us, that Peter told us to be obedient, to stop going back to our old ways, to, to obey the Holy Spirit, have an active faith. Last one, verse 16 it says, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the, fam- uh, love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. You are free. Do we believe that? Do we believe that you're f- it, Okay. Clearly not enough. Everyone say it right now I am free, everyone. I am free. Louder. I am free. Do you believe it? I am free. Come on, everyone, we can do it. I am free. We'll work on it. You guys are going to believe, I promise. You are free. right? We're not slaves to sin anymore. We're not under the authority of the enemy anymore. We don't need to keep running back to our old sinful ways. We don't need to keep running back to the vomit, to the mud. We don't need to keep putting stains on ourselves God's calling us to step out of that old sinful way and step into what he has for us. He has a better life for us. We are set free. Someone say amen. There we go. Man, it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be easy. And we might still stumble. We might get a little stance here and there. And my shoes are making noises now because of the ketchup. But he has a new life for us. and he's going to meet you where you are. There's no shame. I don't want to shame anybody for where you're at. We're all at different spots, and that's okay. It's okay to be where you are, but what's not okay is staying in that spot. We need to have an active faith. We need to keep moving forward. And that next step is different for everybody. For some of you, it's baptism. Maybe you've never known the joy of having the clean white shirt before. I think God right now is inviting you to step into that. He wants you to make that decision and you can make that decision right now. For the first time in your life, I, would, well, I want to invite you right now to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and me or Alex or Andrew or any of our staff or volunteers would love to talk to you about that and pray for you and help you with that decision. But if that's where you're at, if you want to turn from the stains and, and the old way of life and you want this clean white shirt for the first time, you have the opportunity to come to Jesus and make that decision today. Maybe it's rededication. Maybe you've been baptized a long time ago and your, your shirt was clean, but then you went on like, like the pigs or the dogs back to the mud or the vomit. You've gotten your shirt stained again. That doesn't mean you're doomed forever. You can come back to him, just like the prodigal son you can run back to him, and he will accept you with open arms. He will run right back to you because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Just because you get another stain on your shirt doesn't mean that you're separated from him forever. You can run back to him. And if that's where you're at, I want to to invite you to make that decision today. Or maybe... You're in the process of sanctification. Maybe, and that's just the big fancy church word of becoming more like Jesus. So maybe you're ready. Maybe you have been baptized. You're ready, all ready to go for God. Um, We need to keep growing. We need to step into that. We can't just become complacent and sit. We have to keep being active. We have to keep growing. And I would urge you to seek guidance from the Holy Spirit. Be obedient to him. And use your spiritual gifts. I think that's the easiest way, if you're looking for a way, to be active in your faith. Use your spiritual gifts. One last verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it. All with the strength and energy that God supplies, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. All right, so how are you going to use your spiritual gifts? That's the easiest, simplest way to start being active in your faith. And I'll tell you right now easy application. We need volunteers. And this isn't some commercial. To get more volunteers for a revival, but this is what God is calling you into to use your spiritual gifts. We need help in the kids' room. We need help setting up and tearing down. We need help running the camera so Nevin doesn't have to do it, right? There's a space for everybody, and I invite you if you want to use your spiritual gifts, come to us. We will find a place for you. We want you to use your spiritual gifts. We want you to step into what God has for you. I'll read one last passage. Second Peter 1, five through11. It says, "In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance, with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection, with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That sums it up. That's the whole message right there. And band, you guys can come up. How are you going to be more spiritually active in 2023? how are you going to live that out? How are you going to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen? How are you going to be more active in your faith in 2023? We're going to head into a time of communion. So if you haven't already, we have communion on the table over there, but this is a moment for us to reflect on the promises that God has made to us, to reflect on the sacrifice that he made for us, to reflect on the fact that he's going to be coming back. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know if your shirt is stained or if you're ready for a new clean shirt or or where you're at. But after communion, we're going to sing a song about God's promises. I want you to reflect on that. How are you going to respond to God's promises? How are you going to respond to what God has done for you in 2023 with an active faith? So as we take communion, whether it's by yourself or the people around you, I just invite you to commune with God and reflect. How will you be more active in your faith and respond to God's promises in 2023? I'll pray for us. God, thank you for your promises, for the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this space. We know you're already here, but I ask that you fill each and every one of us. Convict us Show us our stains. God, I thank you that those stains don't have to stay there forever. I thank you that through the blood of Christ, those stains can be washed away. And I pray for every single person in this room that if they have those stains, if, if they don't know what next step to take, if they are lost, if they are looking for a way to get rid of the stains and step into the new life that you have for them, I pray that you guide them through that. God, I just thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. I thank you for the promises that you've made for us. And I thank you that you hold true to all of your promises, God. It's in Jesus' name, amen.